dads, right? I don't know what episode anymore. Lost no. track. Well, been, well past that. It's been a while. This episode. <laughs> it's been a long while. I don't remember the last time, but it's always been a long while now between episodes. Yeah. We, We're kind of bi-yearly. Yeah. We'll do it better. We'll, we'll get better. <laughs> You're home. We'll have regular schedules coming up. So We've been saying that for a while, though. Yeah. Well... We're liars. <laughs> I think the last episode, I the last one I remember doing was like November oh, of last year. Yeah, I feel like we did one this year. About like I don't, I don't remember one happening this year. I don't know what we would have talked about. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we're here now. I'm pretty sure we did. Let's take your word for it. I don't remember. The last one I remember. We had to record twice, or like most of it twice, because he didn't he didn't get the last half. Do you remember that? No. Oh. You had to like recreate the last half of the episode. I do remember that. We've done one since then for sure. We have? Yeah. Because okay. we've done one on here before. That one was on the iPad. Oh, okay. That was the last one on my iPad that we were talking into the mics, but the mics weren't hooked up to the iPad. Oh, was it? Was yeah. that the issue? Because my iPad was broken. Oh, okay. Still is broken. You need a new iPad. Yeah, that's why we're recording on uh, on on this uh, Surface, and I don't know really how to use the software, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it complicated. out. complicated. Yes, no kidding. It's it's because it's like a professional professional one. Yes, and we are not. But no, <laughs> no, not at all. Otherwise, we might have a schedule. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, anything you want to talk about? Well, I mean. Can you not talk about the cocaine found in the White House? I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> they found cocaine in a White House. They say it was in a spot where tourists are accessible, but is there any doubt it was Clinton's? <laughs> I they, I mean, you could probably... It depends on how old it was. It could have been JFK's. Yeah, fair. Fair. Right? Yeah. Nancy Reagan's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, she liked to do a hit before she went out and talked about it. Yeah, exactly. She needed his research, so she did what if she was gonna, talking if about. If you're going to have a war on drugs, you have to know what you're against. Exactly. Yeah. Research. Okay. Enemy research. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Trump's. No, no, no. No. He doesn't. I, I don't... I don't... I don't think he... He doesn't need cocaine. No. That's the As equivalent... As opposed to all the people who do? That's the equivalent of cocaine bear. Yeah. <laughs> No, the cocaine bear was much sweeter. Um, I yeah, no, I had not heard about that at all. When was it found? Just recently, like maybe today. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's funny. Yeah, that I thought it was funny. funny. I'm yeah. assuming. I, I guess somebody left it, and that's probably not the spot you want to. There's got to be cameras everywhere. You're going to get caught. It could also have been George W. Bush's. Yeah, maybe. He was an animal. Yeah. He was a party animal. It explains a lot of the vacant looks on his face. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, he could have just, you know, every time he tried to have an opinion, Cheney would just put it in front of him and <laughs> then right, yeah. just distract him. And this, George. <laughs> it's like catnip, you know? <laughs> He'd put it in the toy and George would try to get it out. Yeah. Uh, and then Cheney could run the country. No, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, I got a couple of but go ahead. That's your story for today. Yeah. I have nothing really to naturally follow that. Yeah, no, that's uh, why I threw it to you. <laughs> so I'm just going to go left turn, no segue properly. The first thing on my list is probably the most recent thing uh, I had to talk about, which would have been Olivia Chow's victory in Toronto. Yeah, that was good. 
That was good. That was big. Big shift for Toronto, which has had a conservative mayor since 2010. Uh, John Tory could... I don't think we talked... I mean, I don't think we've had one since John Tory resigned, have we? I thought that's when we had it. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we're bookending then. Great. The Yeah. Anyway, John Tory resigned. It's interesting because he was very much his brand and how he got elected was he was the safe, reasonable kind of family man, you know, nothing crazy about him. Uh, taking down the sex scandal. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> uh, months after getting reelected very handily and put into a scramble. And yeah, they successfully elected Olivia Chow, despite who was leading the entire time. And then John Tory comes out and introduce uh, or uh, not introduces endorses um, a candidate called Anna uh, Bailao Bailo. I don't know how to say her last name. Anna Bigelow. And no, no G's. Deuce Bigelow. And she had been a city councillor up until the past municipal elections, where she didn't run, uh, and she had been a deputy mayor under Tory. So that's why she got the endorsement. She was very much a Tory ally. Right. Um, and got a bunch of liberal endorsements, which I thought is interesting because John Tory was a provincial conservative. Like, he led the provincial conservatives. And to, like, a pretty bad defeat, he lost his own seat. Um, but he led the provincial conservatives. And yet liberals love him. Uh, we saw that in this I mean we, we constantly see that we see how liberals would say oh John Tory you're in the wrong party come over to us and you know Anna Bailo who's a liberal was his close ally on council and a bunch of liberals endorsed her at the same time that uh, a bunch of liberals endorsed her over a liberal MPP who was running yeah um, and uh, to me that's very telling of the provincial liberals and that they're not that different from the provincial conservatives. At least some of them aren't, if they find Tory that appealing. And John Tory definitely voted for Doug Ford. I mean, 100% he did, uh, especially after they cooked up this strong mayor power deal that has now spectacularly backfired. That's the best part, if you ask me. Yeah, the um, John Tory and Doug Ford cooked up a strong mayor power deal before the June 2022 provincial election and then they introduced it after October 2022 when both Ford and Tory had secured re-election for another four years and they were going to use it to push their joint agenda um, because if you don't know what that basically entails it allows the mayors of the cities that have it to set the city budget as opposed to normally um, council and some bureaucrats do that uh, and it allows them to appoint department heads and it allows them to pass most laws uh, with only one third of council support at which point why even have a democracy I mean it, yeah. just, it doesn't matter as long as the mayor is voting for it and you can get you know a few others it's like the reverse filibuster yeah it's 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 a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, so they cooked up, and now Olivia Chow has it. Um, 
I realized I started to say something and I got distracted. But yes, yeah, so after Tori endorsed this uh, uh, Anna Bailao, um, she had a last minute surge despite polling in like third or fourth place for most of the election. Hey, it's, a, it's surprising you just didn't endorse whoever was in second. Well, oh, well, Mark Saunders was originally in second, who is the former police chief, pretty right wing. It's who Doug Ford endorsed, actually. But I think Anna and John were close and that the, had a lot of crossover in terms of their teams. Like right. a lot of the Tory team went to Anna's campaign. Um, but it was a very last minute endorsement and crucially it was after advance vote. And if you actually look at the breakdown, on election day, votes cast on election day, Olivia Chow lost to Anna Bailao, but she had such a massive, massive lead from the advance vote that she ended up carrying it in the end. And another important fact, I think, from this, turnout was higher for this by-election than it was in the last election because it wasn't obvious who was going to win, or at least it was change. You know, when everyone knows John Tory's going to win, it, people are less motivated to get out and vote. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. to get out and vote, right? So that's competition is important, change is important, and not only that, I'm going to say, you know, give credit to the teams and Olivia Chow's team who actually uh, clearly, you know, motivated some people to get out and vote. And that's uh, not always the easiest thing to do. So I know uh, a lot of provincial New Democrats worked on her campaign, um, people who I've worked with before, and credit to them. Well done. Uh, very happy to see what she'll do. Now, she said she won't use the strong mayor powers. And as much as I'm not a fan of politicians not following their promises. I kind of hope she does. Now, can she get rid of them? No. Can anyone? She can't. No. Well, the provincial government can. Uh But the municipal government can't. She can just not use them. Feels like you might as well use them. Although, I think she said she won't. But why would she say she won't? Because she disagrees with them, I guess. It's like um, uh, almost a protest thing, I think like respecting democracy and you can you know this is wrong I don't agree with this so I'm not going to use them but I think she should because she doesn't even have a full term to prove herself before she has to face re-election basically right so I think if she wants to make up for lost time and to show what she can do she should go for it I, I have no issue with her doing that apparently so she'll be sworn in July 12th and apparently there's already some big changes in terms of, like, how she's shuffling things around, who she's hiring. There's going to be movement on council in terms of uh, people who are in positions of prominence and people who aren't. Because, you know, for a long time, for over a decade, city council has been shaped by conservatives. And now we're going to see some changes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just think change is good in general. Once you get like these mayors in for a long time, yeah, it's too comfortable. Yeah. I uh, yeah, so I'm sure we'll talk about her again. See what she does. But that's what I got for Olivia Chow. Very pleased. Uh, she now has, with her election, if you count her as a New Democrat, and you should, she was a New Democrat MP. Twenty percent of Canada's population is governed by a New Democrat on some level. 
between Toronto and all of BC. Is it? Didn't you say there was a few cities that are governed by New Democrats? Yeah, not that I know of. But you said like the two or three. Oh, oh, the top, the top four biggest cities with Olivia Chow's victory are now governed by people of uh, uh, us, uh, Asian descent. Oh, right. Yeah, that's, that's what it. you said. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Anglophone cities. Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver. Ken Sim, Amarjeet Sohi, Jyoti Gandek, and Olivia Chow. Uh, Olivia Chow is also the first, actually I said I was done with her, but not apparently. She's the first uh, woman of color to lead Toronto. She might be the first person of color to lead Toronto. I'd have to look at that. Um, she is uh, the first female, only a third female mayor of Toronto, first woman to uh, lead the city post-amalgamation. Yeah, that was a while ago. Amalgamation? Yeah, wasn't it in the 90s, 80s? No. No, it was after... It's in the 2000s. I think. Maybe not. I don't remember. Me neither. I was... Uh, Either not alive or barely alive. It could have been. No, you're right. It might have been in the 90s because it was... Mel Lastman was the first mayor. That's definitely the 90s, isn't it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's funny. Um, the uh, I saw online somebody was saying Olivia Chow is the first mayor of color of Toronto. And somebody said, what about Mel Latzman? And then he's like, no, he was just tanned all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. And it's crazy about the election. 102 candidates. Did we talk about that? I don't think we did because I don't think we recorded it once it was announced. 102 people ran. Yeah, it was a big list. Yeah, tons of like a alt-right. So the top few people were Olivia Chow, uh, Anna Bailao, Mark Saunders, who was the Doug Ford-backed candidate. Doug Ford, who said, I'm going to stay out of the election. And then said, if Olivia Chow won, uh, it would be a disaster. And then said, I'm voting for Mark Saunders. And then did a robocall for Mark Saunders that he sent out to the people of Toronto. Which was a bad call, because Toronto largely voted against Doug Ford. Um, but yeah, we went from uninvolved in the election to being very involved, but not surprised. Anthony Fury, who's an alt-right um, journalist, and I say that with heavy air quotes, big conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And then those are the top four, and then uh, a woman named Chloe Brown. And we're getting down here, when I say like, Chloe Brown won like 1.2% of the vote or something like that. Uh, and she was another like left-wing, lefter than Olivia Chow candidate. But what I find funny about all this is in the beginning of the election, one of the earliest declared candidates was a man named Brad Bradford. And he was, and in fact is, the incumbent city councillor for... Uh, Beaches East York, which is a um, you know city council riding and federal and provincial riding in Toronto. He was a his mother is a Liberal MP in Kitchener, but he was an early consideration for the Conservatives to get behind. Another example of how there's conservative liberal crossover, um, and he campaigned to for his council seat as a progressive, but then went to mayor as a conservative. And again, 
I would say very liberal of him. Um, anyway, so he was considered a big name in the beginning. He was on the debate stage with the big boys because this was like the Republican primary where they had different levels of debate stages because there was 102 candidates. Uh, so he was on the debate stage with the big boys, whereas Chloe Brown um, was on the, did all the like the B circuit sort of debates. And in the end, Brad Bradford got 1.1% of the vote behind Chloe Brown. He was ridiculous. He ran the stupidest campaign. It was ridiculous. He's lost all credibility. I'll be surprised if he ran again for re-election as city councilor. And if he does, I'll be even more surprised if he runs because his best riding uh, was his riding, Beaches East York, where he came in third. Yeah, Chloe Brown got twice as many votes. Twice as many votes yep. in the entire election? 18,800 versus 9,254. Yeah, I'm not, like, he was, it was absurd. And his best result was third place. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, we also need to mention people like uh, Daniel Ermaya, uh, 27 votes. Well, oh, yes. Well done, Daniel. <laughs> uh, Jack Weenan, 30 votes. <laughs> the th- 27 votes that's hard to do in a city of 3 million people For over 3 4 million that's just like everybody votes. who knows you yeah and I mean like everybody who knows you right like you got your co-workers yeah. to vote for you you got your family it's <laughs> why you can think why did some of these people run there's a lot of people that got less than 100 votes I'm not surprised it's not like and then you get you get into people like um, Selena uh, Selena <laughs> Selena Caesar Chavez, who was a liberal MP, who decided to run for mayor of Toronto. She didn't live in Toronto, uh, and she got a pathetic amount of votes. And Mitzi Hunter, who was a liberal MPP who is in a very safe liberal seat. I mean, you have to be, basically, if you're down in one of the you know last seven. She won in 2018, and those were just the safest liberal seats. Uh, won again in 2000, uh, uh, this past one, 2022. And almost won the liberal leadership. I think she came in second to Stephen Del Duca in the last one. Probably could have had a shot at it this time, but... No, ran for mayor of Toronto, and again, a pathetic performance. I don't know why she... Like, she had a set job. Yeah. I was going to say, it looks like there's been over 100 people that got less than 1,000 votes. No, there can't have been over 100 people. There was only 102 people running. Right. Still, most got under 1,000. There's only... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6... 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I think only 13 people got more than 1,000 votes. Which makes sense. 13 candidates is a lot of candidates. Yeah. If you had a if you had a ballot with 13 people on it, that would be a big ballot. But, you know, so... Yeah, so it's like 90 people got less than 1,000 votes. Yeah. Don't run. No. You know you're not going to... Against... If you're, you're a random person who can scrape up 37 votes... And you're running against Olivia Chow, who's going to win. I feel like like, everybody can scrape up 37 votes. Yeah. 27 was the lowest. These people didn't campaign. He didn't get his friends out even. 27? Yeah. Come on. 
<laughs> another funny story from the Toronto mayoral election. Um, there was another candidate who, his name I'm going to butcher, but it was something like Xiao uh, Hua Gong. And he became famous on the internet for spending an inordinate amount of money on his campaign. He was like a venture capitalist, owned his own business, uh, has a few corruption scandals, got fined a bunch of money, but still has a bunch of money. Um, ran for mayor. His slogan was like, here to save Toronto. Um, and he had stupid amounts of signs on public property. So he became very internet famous. And because of this, he came in second in the student vote results, where like, you know, high schools have right mock elections yeah, yeah. when there's real elections going on he got like 24 percent of the vote just because he was so famous on the internet he uh embraced people started calling it the gong show and he embraced that he had like a float and pride and uh was like banging a gong the whole time because his last name's gong so he ran with you know the gong show and he but he's clearly not all there because he got well, you had the results up. Did you? Did he even get a percent of the vote? Because he, I think, said something like he pointed to the student vote result, the disparity between what he got in the student vote result and the actual result, and then called for a recount. He's like, "We don't believe that we only could have gotten this amount." Two thousand nine hundred eighty-three votes. Yeah, which is a tenth. No, uh, yeah, a tenth of what Olivia Chow got. Yeah, he just. He just just lost. He's only two hundred and sixty-five thousand votes behind, approximately. No, give or take. That's not a tenth, is it? No, two thousand times. Yeah, ten. ten. Two thousand times ten. Oh, a hundred. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. so a hundredth. I thought so. Uh, and yet he's like, nah. Was recount. <laughs> recount. <laughs> yeah. He accidentally lost two hundred thousand votes. Yeah, they miscalculated that. There was another Chris Sky who was very famous on Twitter during the election he ran is another one who demanded a recount because he had more followers on Twitter than people who voted for him. Twitter's around the world, not just Toronto. Yeah, or something like that. Or he ran like a Twitter poll where he had like, where he won on his online poll and not the election. Chris Sakachia? Uh, yes, his internet name is Chris Sky because yeah. nobody wants to say his last name. You're not going to get famous with that last name. 8,001 votes. More than the gong show. Yeah. So, yeah, he said he uncovered the greatest stolen election in Canadian history. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and, he's missing 200,000 as well. Of course, all these people are crazy right-wing people, right? Like, Chloe Brown is very left-wing, left of Olivia Chow totally like hadn't said a word probably the most left-wing candidate running maybe not because i don't know the personal views the bottom you know 100 yeah <laughs> um but still it's the right-wing people who can't accept an election the defenders of democracy who cannot accept the democratic process tends to be at this point i would argue it often was i mean it was uh the U.S.'s policy for a long time, whereas if somebody in Latin America, like somebody in like, is like, all right, well, we'll just go and organize a coup, get rid of them. 
Oh, a democratically, there was a democratically elected uh, socialist. Got to replace him with a dictator. No choice. That's what you got to do. No way they actually voted for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's lots of... But certainly... Half of that happened, and there'd be a, 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 a Democrat in power. Yes, but a lot of the times you couldn't call some of those Democrats left-wing. But that's a history. Certainly now, you're right. I mean, the, the Democrats now, in the 21st century have had stronger arguments for quote-unquote stolen elections in twenty in 2000 and in uh, 2016. With the hanging chads. Than the what? The hanging chads. That was 2002? Bush-Gore? Bush-Gore was 2000. Oh, 2000? Yeah. I don't know what the hanging chads are. I just know about Florida. Yeah, that was it. The, so the, the hanging chads, like it was a push-out ballot in the... Like, the debate was whether the ones that are dangling count or not. <laughs> those, I guess, are called chads, so hanging chads. Oh, and I hadn't heard that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, court's ruling that they couldn't count ballots in Florida, which gave it to Bush, even though Gore definitely won Florida, if you actually counted the people who voted. And 2016, where... By the U.S.'s election system, Trump won fairly. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Using their system, he he won the system, but lost the popular vote. Yeah, he's not the only one to win that. Do that. No, what I'm talking and about. It happens 21st, here too. That's not a stolen election. Twenty first. It's not stolen because of the um, the system, but you can question the legitimacy of the system if it. Yeah, I I, I mean I I. I don't know. It's one of those things where do I understand it to some extent because otherwise your city, your whole country is going to be governed based on what New Yorkers and LA, LA wants. You know what I mean? Like the big cities. But a person... For any country, not just the U.S. The, the, and there, there isn't the same needs in outside the city as there is in the city, but there's way more population in the city. And that's why you have the Senate. Well, I'm not talking about the U.S. The, in general. I'm talking about in general. In any country, that's the way it works. Yes, and you can go... And there are ways around that, but at the end of the day, I just don't think it's democratically fair for one person's vote to count for more than another person's because of how much representation they get. Yeah, then you need to change it to proportional. Anyway, that's the only way it doesn't. Yes, and I think you should. And there are, you know, mixed member proportional, where you have, uh, there's various systems where you keep regional representation, but also keep it proportional, you know? And they, and we talk about, well, they don't have representation. Let's look at tons of rural ridings in Canada and the United States where there's big chunks of Democrats, liberals, new Democrats, but they're always governed, they're always represented by a Republican or a conservative. Yeah, for sure. I mean, me, you, neither of us are conservatives, yet we're, how we're situated right now, we're always going to have a conservative MP. Yeah, no, that, I, I'm. I think it should be uh, proportional. I think it yeah. should be proportional. That's the way they. 
It makes the most sense. Other countries do it. It's not impossible. No. And no country switches back when they switch. Yeah. And they make it seem like it's hard and, oh, nothing will ever happen. But they work it out. And you just... it You get used to it. And it makes you actually govern. Mm-hmm. And do things that obviously a portion of the population wants because it's the people they elected. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in Denmark, I know they have a period after an election, and I think they have the same thing in Germany and probably other countries that do this. There's just a period after the election where there's just negotiations between the parties to form a coalition, and that's just part of the election process. And it would just happen over the time now where, you know, we have an election and then the new parliament isn't sworn in for like two months, you know? Yeah. You just have the negotiations over that time and then you they figure out who's going to govern in in Denmark I think it's called the Queen's Round because the monarch asks a party to lead negotiations like whoever won the election you know yeah yeah. and then they try to like gather their coalition I think they do something similar in Israel as, as well probably I mean it's like we were talking about, not uncommon. Yeah. And then you govern. Germany's been governed by a coalition of three different parties stably for the past three, four years. Yeah. It absolutely happens. It happened in uh, First Past the Post, even, when the in the UK, the Tories and the Liberal Democrats ran a coalition, uh, I think, in 2010. Yeah, there, I mean, it's happened here where they form. I mean, right now we kind of got a coalition going on, but... Well, it's technically not a coalition. No, I know, but it kind of is. Same Co- idea. A coalition means one, both parties have people around the cabinet table. Yeah, but the NDP got sway with the government. Yes, and the supply and Based confidence. Based on... And that's, them. that's happened on the federal level. It's happened in Saskatchewan. It's happened in BC. It happens all the time. Yeah. I'm just it's just it's easy to do it's not hard to do no there's definitely ways that it can happen and that'd eh, be nice be nice mm-hmm. do you have something else or do you want me to keep going uh you can keep going okay <laughs> uh let's see what I have on my list actually that branched off and went for long than I thought it was um lobbying of government has hit a record high in Canada um with uh, I think it's at a 19% increase from last year to this year. And lobbying lobbying isn't necessarily bad, but it very often is. It's mostly bad. It is mostly it's, bad. It, it, it's never um, a lobby of... Uh, well, I shouldn't say never. The, the biggest funded lobbies are never... Uh, environmental protection or, or child poverty or sh- yeah. anything that's sort of you know yeah. uh, it's always natu- gas or oil or, or what big companies banks. logging banks whatever yeah that's the big issue is like lobbying the government isn't inherently a bad thing because lots of activist groups and uh, charities and everything they can all lobby the government and that is, I don't think, the worst thing. But you're right. The people with the big money who can also lobby the government are the worst offenders and make it a bad thing. And the there's I'm not going to go too deep into the numbers, but there's a few things I wanted to flag that I think should be edited or banned. One, senators got lobbied a few thousand times. That seems don't, like a waste. Don't 
it you say it seems like a waste but senators can amend bills and block bills and have to send it back to the house of commons and have no electoral accountability to me you shouldn't be able to lobby someone with no electoral accountability accountability yeah like that person has a lifetime well so they're like 75 it's almost impossible to get fired you basically have to resign so they can just sit there take all the lobbying bribe money do whatever they want and collect that money and then they get their lifetime pension when they're done like they can just get so rich so fast they never have to worry about accountability yeah you should have some sort of you're right there should be a way to get rid of you if you're yeah I mean they have to report their lobbying and they have to uh, you know and sometimes senators have been pressured into resignations but not all the time the woman with the, I don't know if you remember the senator, conservative senator with all the residential school, like, weird stuff on her website. We talked about her. Yeah. She's kicked out of the conservative caucus. Is still a senator, as far as I know. Yeah. Like, so I think that's a, a real, you should not be able to allow to lobby senators. Or more, uh, or Just more get rid of senators. Get rid of senate or make it an elected body. Then, then... Then maybe even that still don't lobby. <laughs> um, the prime minister's office was lobbied directly 1,602 times. Sometimes Justin Trudeau was present. And the prime minister was lobbied by himself, just him, 56 times. I certainly don't think it should be allowed to be just him. Well, you wouldn't, as I wouldn't think you'd want it to be just, anybody would want it to be just them. Yeah. You'd want to have somebody there so you can sort of back up exactly what was said exactly so i think that should be legal and i'm honestly even thinking on should the prime should you not be allowed to lobby the prime minister like you can lobby the ministers and then they can bring it to the cabinet table and the prime minister can make a make a call based on that information but he wants trips to resorts too <laughs> he gets them anyway from That's world leaders fair. and all that stuff. Oh, they don't go to the fancy ones from the world leaders. You got to go to like the Koch brothers before you get to <laughs> private islands. <laughs> but no, I seriously, I think just don't. The prime minister shouldn't be allowed to be lobbied. And then specific groups. And then you're you have to I don't know make an argument. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say, in order to lobby a minister, you have to make an argument that what you want to talk to them about is related to their portfolio. But they'll just start, you know, companies will make these huge stretches and it won't work. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind you. I mean, I, I mean, what's the difference between lobbying and sort of like, what's it, I guess, what's the definition of lobbying? Uh, I mean, I couldn't rattle one off the top does that, of my head. Does that does it have to be like giving of something, like some sort of goods or service or money, to try to get someone's, or is it just talking to them? I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's just like talking talking to them. Maybe doing a so just getting time presentation. Yeah, and th- and that time, if that ha- time happens to be in Fiji, so be it. Is that the way it works? Yeah, because all I have here is. Uh, in politics, lobbying or advocacy is the act of lawfully attempting to influence the actions, policies, 
or decisions of government officials, most often legislatures or members of regulatory agencies, but also judges and of the judiciary. Because I, I, I mean, I think for sure you want to, you want, you want your your members of parliament to be up on the issues, and the best way to do that is to hear from both sides. Maybe just you know any sort of gain from the lobbies, just make it illegal and. Whatever you give to one side of the lobby time-wise, you have to give to the other side of the lobby time-wise. Yeah. Or even, like, it. maybe any lobbying has to be in Parliament, so like you can't take them out, and you're not allowed to see the people outside of Parliament Hill. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you just got to take the money aspect out of it, because you, should, you shouldn't be able yeah. to bribe your way to any laws. No. So just make any sort of gain financially and take get it, get rid of it. Like you can't, they can't fly you to islands or resorts or play golf or uh, a round of golf. I mean, that's fine. That's a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. They don't care. They're all members anyway. But well, it depends on I think the golf course. Yeah. Politicians here certainly don't make as much as in the states. Yeah, no, I know. But they 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 go golfing. I just think any sort of significant. Like just put a just put a money just put a monetary cap on it. It's not hard. Two hundred fifty dollars, three hundred dollars. The it. thing is, people go around those monetary caps all the time. So I think you have to make them stricter, like like really harsh in terms of. Well, you have to make the punishments harsh. Yeah, that too. Like if you get caught and you just like don't do that again. It's often worth it with the amount some of these lobbyists get paid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, uh, yeah, that's the thing. You can't just get rid of lobbying because, as you said, sometimes it's important and sometimes, you know, it's how people stay up to date. It's not all bad, but the big money in it is a real problem. Um, Speaking of big money, Canada introduced new laws for news on the internet. Oh, yeah. Not not like what can be news on the internet, but basically saying platforms have to pay news outlets for news that is repurposed or circulated on their sites. So a news article on Facebook, news that comes up on Google, news on Instagram, that kind of thing. Um, A reason I list those companies and specifically is because Meta, Facebook and Instagram, and Google, have both said that they are going to take news off of their Canadian sites because they don't want to have to pay for it. Now, it's worth noting, Australia passed a similar law in 2021, and both companies threatened the same thing, and then eventually backed down uh, once they'd had some negotiating with the government. So they just pay? What? In Australia, they just pay the money? They pay the money. I don't know if the laws got reworked a little bit after negotiating with the governments. And what it actually is, is what the law does, it requires the companies to negotiate with the news outlet to come to like a, an agreement. It's not like the government saying you have to pay them X amount every time. It makes the companies go to the table with the news organization. And the defense the government has of this is we need, you know, so much of what 
local news that gets out there is online and they're not making money from it. It's important to protect local news. It's important to protect Canadian news. Now, I don't disagree with the sentiment. It should be noted, there's almost no such thing as local news anymore. 90% of all Canadian quote-unquote local newspapers are owned by one company called Post Media. They are in talks of merging with the Toronto Star. Uh, there are very, 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 very few news agencies in Canada. Most of what you read is not independent, nor is it local. However, I do still think that journalists deserve to be paid for the work they do. I think there's a lot of good journalists. Um, and I'm not necessarily against this law, but people are saying, you know, well, we they're just never going to follow it. But I also come to the idea is we can't let companies govern us. We can't point the blame at the government for a company's bad behavior. We can't say, well, it's a good law, but the companies are never going to follow it, so the government shouldn't even do it. No, it's the company that's misbehaving. It's the companies we should be mad at. If it's misbehavior, I mean... I, I, I'm not sure how effective this is going to be, especially if it's not a set fee, uh, if, if people now can, can negotiate the price. So if you just want to get your message out there, you just say, oh, well, just give me a dime for each each thing. So all the illegitimate or less legitimate news sources that don't really care about the money but just want to get their message out there, it's going to be way cheaper than an article that was in the Star or the Sun or the Globe or whatever or the post, you know what I mean? They're gonna want a legitimate amount of money for their news articles. So now you're gonna get the, you know, election stolen ones way cheaper than the than the actual news, if I can use that phrase. So which ones are yeah, they gonna put out there? I, that's a good point. And like, will they just only, okay, we'll take news, but only the people who, I mean, the, these are the types of things where I have to assume they've somewhat taken it into account. Um, but, and I don't know, maybe there is like a set minimum. I don't know. Have to, I'd have to look at the, you know, look into the bill more. Yeah, it just feels like it's but, set up to, to for, the, for the fringe. Yes, that's true. Although, again, it hasn't turned out that way in Australia. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this saga continues to play out. It's very recent. Uh, it's worth noting that, despite the fact that they're said they're just taking news off their site, Google is in negotiations with news companies, and we'll see what Meta does. I'm I'm sure they'll back down too, though, because half of what you see on Facebook is news for a lot of people. Yeah, as long as you're using air quotes around that news. Yes. And in fact, that's the other thing, though. When, when Google and Meta said they were just going to take news off of their sites, it was kind of like, good. I, I didn't see that as mostly a bad thing. Like, I think it would decrease the spread of fake info. Well, yeah, except for, again, at least, at least there's some balance if they can put in everything for free. If the legit info yeah. is going to get charged and, and they want a legit amount for it, and the fake info doesn't care because they're not, they're just trying to get the word out. And they're just willing to take, you know, a penny a story. Well, there's no pennies, a nickel a story. There's still cents though, e-transfers. Yeah. Could do a penny. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I, will, I guess this have to see how it plays out. It doesn't, I'm not sure it's a law that needed to be made. But, uh, and like you said, who's, who is it helping? Which, which which local paper are you helping? Like the Georgetown Independent Free Press is, is part of Torstar Media. Yeah. 
Like, there's no... It's, there's uh, what, no independent... What paper, what local news are, are you supporting? Well, theoretically, I mean, another big thing that happened in the news industry recently is Bell, who owns CTV, uh, gutted brutally. They called it a slaughter, the CTV news department, because they're saying news departments don't make money. And I think that has been a problem, is a lot of news departments just aren't making any money, and I think the government's a little worried we're just not going to have news. Yeah, and I'm not... Has, or at least have no news, competition. Have news... Has news ever made money? Really? Like, the actual news versus the news shows, like like the Tucker Carlson show, which, in, like they say, isn't news? Yeah, well, I mean, but they never had anything like that on CTV, did no, they? No, I know. No, no. So that's what I'm saying. Like, real news shows, have they ever really made money? I don't think so. I... I, I I think the best way to make news, quote unquote, make money and to increase competition is break up the news, break up post media, break up toast tour star. Like in general, the companies like pretty soon we're just going to have one company. Well, exactly. It's that's just going to be like are Apple or out. Google or Amazon. That's just going to whatever one wins is going to rule the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, I just I mentioned the. Um, uh, Toronto Star and Post Media merger, uh, which is in the talks, not actually necessarily happening. Uh, it has to go through a competition bureau who just lets everybody merge no matter what, so it probably will happen if it goes through. But uh, Post Media, the owner of it, has said in the past that their newspapers weren't, quote, sufficiently conservative and instituted major changes to the rules. Um, to give it a more very purposeful right-wing bias. And Post Media owns most, quote, local papers. And this is the people who might also soon own the Toronto Star and all this stuff. Which is why I... The Toronto Star is pretty left right now. Well, that's the thing. A Toronto Star has... The Toronto Star editorial board half the time endorses the Conservative Party in national elections already. And it is probably the most left paper out there. Yeah, so this is why when I hear a left-wing bias in news, I'm like, which one? Most editorial boards in Canada, and when I say most, I mean 90%, endorse the Conservatives. And the other ones are all in Quebec and endorse the Bloc Québécois. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very, very rarely do they endorse the Liberal and I think some of them endorsed the NDP in 2011. And that was it. Yeah, well, I guess they're talking mostly about the CBC. Which, I don't think its editorial board makes endorsements. Well, they don't have a paper, so they don't have a... Do they? I don't know. I don't know, but but in general, it is, it's also left-leaning news. I'd call it centrist, considering the fact that every time you look at their coverage of Queen's Park, they talk about the government, conservatives, and then they talk about the liberals who have eight seats and not even official party status. And then you get a little tag at the end. Oh, and this is what the Ontario NDP said, who are the official opposition and have three times the seats of the liberals. More than. Well, they don't want to be seen to be too far left. They are liberal shills at the CBC. Yeah. Uh, they (laughs) they They, it's not that they're left. It's they are liberal. Um, and I don't think they're with they're with whatever party will give them the most money and keep them open. 
And I have to say, I don't I actually don't think a lot of the people who work for the CBC and a lot of news outlets necessarily have that strong of biases, but the people in charge do and people in charge control it, you know? They pay the checks. Well, that would say, uh, because once you get that much money, you're generally conservative. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on. Speaking of making money and rich people, uh, the Grammys. The Grammys announced today that they will consider and potentially give awards to songs that are partially created by AI. Uh, they shouldn't. I agree. I'm like... What's the, who, what, who are you giving the award to? Well, if it's partially or has like AI fragments, I guess you give it to the person who created the rest of it, but should they only get half a Grammy if they only <laughs> created half the song? Like, cut it in half if the AI is going to half Grammy. If the AI is making the music, then you there's no Grammy to give. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think you shouldn't... There, there, I think it's any not like amount, anybody drew it. The program was done not to make that specifically song. It was done to make... Like, there's no you way... Give, you should give the Grammy to the person who created the AI program. Yeah. Like, that is... That's the only person that would deserve any sort of Grammy. Yeah. I agree. And I think... You know, this is... AI and art going forward is a big conversation. It's a big part of why the Writers Guild of America is striking right now. Because stuff like this is going to happen. I get it. And um, to be honest, it'll be... It'd probably be better than half the garbage that's on TV. It won't. It won't be better than the best stuff written by people. But it'll be better than probably seventy percent of it. Probably, which is probably why a lot of them are scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the people writing like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and yeah, they're fine. All these ones, they actually don't care. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever, not gonna affect me. Yeah, exactly. But. Uh, the people writing Love Island are terrified. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 100%. And AI could write that better. No question. Yeah. Um, certainly in the direction it's going. But regardless, I don't think it should. I don't think... Um, here's the thing. I, as the technology advances, what should have been happening is we should all be working less for the same amount of money. Technology should have been used to improve the quality of human life. Instead, what it's been used for is to make more money for rich people. Um, and But so far, that's kind of stayed out of, obviously, the writing process and that kind of thing. Um, so we... That's the fight, I think, is we want to make sure that people don't lose jobs over the advancement of technology. That shouldn't happen. But that... It's definitely going to happen. It's, like, there's no question that's going to happen. That has happened since the beginning of time. And yes, um, but that just because it has happened doesn't mean it has to happen. Well, no. I mean, we can get rid of money and all just pursue our uh, ideal thoughts while the uh, robots take care of everything, like Star Trek, but that's not going to happen for a while. <laughs> We're not five years away from that. No. Um, which is why, I, as I said, we have to keep stuff like AI out of the creative process and, and things, but we have to start the fight even if it's not going to be finished for another 50, 60, 70 years, 100 years. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's much you can do at this point. I mean, the question is, how smart do you want? You got to be very. I think you have to be careful how smart you make the AI. It's like yeah. what was it, Orville, when the robots became sentient and just wiped out the whole population? Was it? Which episode? The main bad guys in Orville. Oh, oh yeah, the Kalons. Yeah, because the well, the Kalons did it because they were being mistreated. Well, they became so such and realized they were being mistreated. Yeah, but that's what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> honestly, is there anybody who treats their, you know, whatever well, amplifier well? Like, that's the other thing. Um, another side of it is there's a sort of side story in one of the video games I play, Fallout Four, um, where this person is creating. A bunch of robots because it takes place in the future, post-apocalyptic future. Though uh, they're creating a bunch of robots to go out into the world and help people, um, but this person is like not doing it themselves and very removed from it. And the robots are actually just going out and killing everybody because the robots came to the conclusion that life is so miserable. The best thing you can do for people is to just end it. Just that's the most you can do to alleviate suffering. Yeah. No, like I, that's the logical conclusion they came to. Exactly. You have to be careful how smart you make the robots. I think that's uh, 100%. Yeah, it's AI scary, but shouldn't get Grammys. Unless no. that's what placates them. I'm if, it keeps, <laughs> yeah, right. yes. if it keeps them happy. Uh, you can't <laughs> kill us if we give you a Grammy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as many Grammys it just, as they want. It just belittles everybody else's Grammy. Yes. Too. Like uh, this robot Listen, I, a Grammy. I worked, I actually put in work for this. And then this person just hit a button a song and then hit a button. Like, isn't it just like, hey, 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 AI, uh, make a song that that'll makes me cry? Or that'll win a, like, isn't that literally what you put in and it comes up with stuff? Yes. Like, that's not, you cannot get a Grammy. I'm sorry. No. I agree. And then, you know, they shouldn't give Grammys for AI screenplays or anything like that. Or Grammy Oscars no. or Emmys or whatever like that. No. If you want one, you actually have to do the work yourself. Tony's. Like, you can't have an AI bot winning the, uh, what's that called? The uh, Obi or whatever? Oscar, Emmy, Grammy, what, Legend, and... Uh, I know there's EGOTs. EGOTs, are, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is, EGOT. Um, moving on. Do you have something else? Anything else you want to wrap up on this topic? I'm just going to no. keep doing non, like, segues. Yeah. Just jump it. into something else entirely. How, did you... In that case, did you hear about the uh, FAA giving approval to a flying car? No. Yeah? The uh, Alif Automotive? I feel like there was way better names, but... Probably. I don't want... Here's the thing. The flying cars I've seen have wings. Does this car have wings? I never saw a picture of the car. I don't want wings. I'm pretty sure it's got to have wings to create lift. But that's the thing. So then I don't want a flying car. It can have retractable wings. But I don't want it to have. I want like hover cars and then basically shuttlecraft. A hover car isn't a flying car. It's just a car without wheels. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't. I don't. I don't want a flying car. I want it to be a shuttlecraft from Star Trek or a hover car. Shuttlecraft have wings? No, they don't. They have nacelles. They have wings. They have little wings at the back normally. They do not. Oh, maybe not. Okay, some of them do, but you're right, some of them don't. They do not. Most of them, in the original series, they're just like boxes. Yeah. And then they only start to get curves 
I think, I think, the, I think, I think right now the only way you're getting lift is with wings. Yes, I agree. We don't have the technology, so don't bother. Well, it, it's just also, uh, I mean, there must be a limit to how high they can fly and stuff. It, it just feels like and how we many... have accidents now with roads and lights and stop signs and rules. How are you policing how, the airways? How's it going to happen once you're just flying whatever way you want to up and up, up and flying? I, I, just, the only, I don't see it working. The only way it works is when, and the technology has been proposed before and has been working on, is when it's all connected to a satellite, you don't actually drive. You just get in a vehicle, hook up to the satellite, and it steers everything. Yeah, that works. The, that's the only way. Yeah. Almost like a, te- like a flying Tesla. Basically. Oh, kind of. Better. Like it, it, next, when next it's level. all connected to a computer and the AI overlords decide yeah. when cars go and how it all works. That's right. <laughs> There's your segue. Andy's, Andy's working on a song in the background. Yes. <laughs> when his fifth Grammy. He's working on his uh, fifth EGOT. Yeah. <laughs> As he's, like, doing the traffic. Because he has, I mean, traffic, that's that a boring yeah, job. That's take, your boring yeah, AI job, that's right? Just, that's just your daytime work. Yeah. It's not his passion. You're working on your screenplay <laughs> yeah. at the background as you're directing yeah. the traffic. Exactly. <laughs> um, Canada hit 40 million as well between our break and population. Oh, nice. We knew this. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. Uh, 40 million people about a month ago, I think. Maybe a little less. It is... We are at a growth rate of 2.7%, which is the highest it's been since 1957. In comparison... That's because everybody was inside over COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, in comparison, though, the U.S., which also had COVID, is at a gro- growth rate of 0.5%. So it's immigration. It is immigration. 2022, we went up by a whopping million people. 96% of it was immigration. And I always find it interesting because I find large a lot of the anti-immigrants are the so elderly. There's only 40,000 births in Canada that year? Not many, I guess, yeah. That can't be right. Oh, more than that, but also like people leave. Yeah, so it can't be it's not it can't be 96% immigration then. That's what the stats said. That's weird. Um I mean, why is that? The... Yeah, I guess that is. That sounds weird. If there's only a million people and it's ninety six percent, I mean, okay. If I guess if a million people left, then you could have twice as many births. I guess. Did a million people leave? Which only brings know. it up to eighty thousand. Yeah. The CDC news article I read said ninety six percent of that. You can't million. trust that lefty. <laughs> But regardless, I mean, I don't, I don't think. See, it all segues. You can eventually. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can debate that. At the very least, the majority of our population increased due to immigration, and I think that should be obvious to anybody. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. And I find it interesting. You don't that a get lot of, eight-person families anymore. No, I find it interesting that a lot of people who are normally anti-immigration are elderly folks. You find a lot, not necessarily all of them, but elderly folks and maybe people approaching, you know, elderly folks. And to all them, I'd like to say, immigrants are how you're getting your pension. That immigration number, 96%, even if it's 80%, even if it's 70%, that's how you're getting your pension. Because we do not have the population to support the pensions we currently give. 
in terms of people just who have been living in Canada for a few generations. Right. Yeah. No. It it's not there. The the population needs to grow for everyone to get their pension. Absolutely. Especially when you consider it's been that way since the beginning because when we introduced the pension plan, we immediately started giving it out to retired people who had never paid a cent into it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> to be fair though, they didn't make much. Greatest generation my ass. <laughs> they didn't they, they didn't make much. <laughs> Leeches the whole lot of them. They didn't make as much as we do now. Uh, they probably had higher purchasing power though. Probably. But actual <laughs> dollars was way less. The thing is, though, actual dollars don't matter. Purchasing power is what matters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they did. I think if you look back, the first pensioners made very little. And then it spiked, and then it's come down again. That I could buy. I always think it goes back to... Um, not goes back to, but when I think of purchasing power, I think of The Simpsons now. Because the idea of the show, a man working a job to support a five-person family has a house and a car that was normal nobody questioned it there's only four of them no lisa bart homer and oh maggie yeah yeah the baby i forgot about maggie which means they have diaper costs too Yeah, yeah yeah and that was like that's a normal thing it was a normal thing in shows worked for a billionaire though what do you mean? Worked for a billionaire. So they still yeah. had billionaires. Yes. <laughs> We've had billionaires for a while. Not, not as many. We've never had more billionaires. Um, but yes, no, I like that. That used to be a thing. You could support a five person family on a single income. No way in hell that's happening now. Yeah. I just, we were talking with the. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Pete Lanting. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, we were we were golfing the other day, and we were talking about this, and it's like you're looking at if you're looking at a house, it's that's it's a million bucks, and uh, you know, and almost anywhere if you're living in a city across the country, and now even in some of the smaller places across the country, you're looking at a million bucks. The law states you have to have twenty percent down to buy a million dollar house, so it's two hundred thousand dollars. So how is the generation that's coming to house buying age right now that needs to pay $3,000 a month rent that starting off at, if you're lucky, a $50,000 a year job, going to be able to buy a million dollar house? You don't. Like, it's just it's just not you possible. Rent. The math isn't there. But to rent, rent is so expensive because the people that own the houses had to pay so much for them. So they need to cover their mortgage. So rent is so much money. Like it's not and like landlords are getting rich either. Your rent is sometimes a more than a mortgage payment might be, but you can't afford that first twenty percent. So and there's not and there's just very little under a million where you can get away with five percent. Yeah, it's a huge problem, and we need more housing uh, to help do that. But we need actual affordable housing not more luxury housing that we can afford that's not going to help solve the problem and the other then issue becomes they you know they do things like they're doing now to propping up interest rates to try to reduce the housing costs when really that just makes banks richer but um you know it, it, let's say it does let's say it does crash the housing market and everything drops by 30 percent so that people can now afford to buy houses all those people that bought at the height are now bankrupt yeah. Or if so what, like, what, are you, what are you trying to do? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, it's, a, it's just spun out of control to the point where 
Uh, it's trouble. It's not regulated enough. It they they. <sighs> there's I don't I don't know if there's an answer anymore that allows everybody to walk away somewhat happy. Oh no, there isn't. There, I think you have to pop the bubble and then regulate the hell out of it going forward to stop this from happening. Yeah, again. Uh, and again, talking to Pete, he he bought it. You know what? He bought his house. A, a, you know, I don't know, probably seventies or eighties or something. And now it's worth twelve times what he paid for it. You know, we did okay. We made maybe one and a half times on a house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're, you know, that's our generation. We're never going to make, maybe it doubled, but we're not going to make 12 times. And the people now that are buying a million dollar house, it's never going to be worth 12 million. No. Like, it's, it's never going to be 12 times. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, the house just won't be the uh, wealth uh, accumulator that it is for this, for the generation that's in houses right now. They're done. That That thing is over. Now you've got to, you know, you've got to look at maybe, maybe investing in uh, Google and Apple and Amazon, whatever one you think is going to win the world domination uh, fight, and then uh, and 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 rent. Yeah, no, I people are going to rent for a lot longer than they used to, um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they have to pop the bubble, and then maybe. I, I don't know if it's the bank's fault or what, but whoever's the government should make whoever's they judge to be at fault pay out all the people who are losing money. Yeah, I don't know who's. It's nobody's fault. And it just it's, went. It's probably some bank's fault. Eh, I don't know. I think the banks still owe us from yeah, well, not me, but like you and others from when there was the bailouts. I don't remember getting paid back for that yet. Yeah, I don't think the banks in Canada got bailed out. No. The banks in the a lot of banks in the U.S. got bailed out, but I don't think the banks in Canada got bailed out because they they are more regulated than the banks in the U.S. Oh, it's not a high bar. You they did a regulation, and they would be more regulated than in the U.S. There was some bailout of uh, of I think General Motors in Canada in Canada, but as far as I know, it was paid back in stock, and that's now worth more than what the bailout was. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure the government came out ahead in the bailout. Well, good for them. Thank you. Um, don't quote me, or do quote me. You know what? If I'm wrong, email us. <laughs> I don't um, like to be wrong, and I like to get emails. <laughs> oh, yes. The emails. That's right. Um, podcast at gmail.com. Is that it? Could be. Yeah, I think so. Um, other big thing going on in... I have two other things. I'll try to make them snappy. First, I'll do the fast one first. Does that mean you're going to wrap uh, them? No. No, it does not. Um, other big thing going on in Ontario. You could get, we could quickly get an AI to do your, a wrap for your, for your last two things. We probably could. It would be faster than me just talking about them, I'm sure. Uh, other thing going on in Ontario. Ontario Liberal Party leadership race. The OLPLC. Rolls With off LR. the tongue. LR. I don't know why I said LC. LR. OLPLR. <laughs> yeah. Opler, exactly. <laughs> Rolls right off. Um, there are four people running. Uh, I only know three of the names, so that shows you the relevant relevance of the other person. Oh, actually, no, I know all their names. Um, Bonnie Crombie, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, Yasser Nakvi, 
Yes, for Neckby, I think his name is. Um, and Ted Hugh. Sue. I don't know how to say his last name. It's like HSU. So forgive me, Ted. Um, four people running. Only two of them really have a snowball chance in hell. Bonnie Crombie. Bonnie Crombie and Nathaniel Erskine-Smith. Uh, edge to Bonnie Crombie. Bonnie Crombie, a former liberal MP, current mayor of Mississauga, advocated for the breaking up of the region of Peel, which Doug Ford granted. A lot of people say on the condition that she didn't run for uh, Ontario Liberal Party leadership. She now is, and Doug Ford is reportedly reconsidering breaking up the region of Peel, um, which is fun. I like that that's how politics works here. The, that's how Doug Ford a, works. Yes, it is. Um, uh, but she is the right wing of the Liberal Party candidate. She has said that she thinks the, quote, magic sauce is in the center, center right area and has said that's where she would govern from. She has said that she doesn't disagree with uh, Doug Ford's plan to break up the green belt and has spent every minute since then saying that she does disagree with it because she got a lot of flack for saying that she doesn't disagree with it. What I meant by um, that is that I do disagree. Yes, exactly. What I meant by proposing, because she's like, I don't know if we should do, you know, if we should break up the green belt, but maybe we should open up some areas of it for expansion and basically just laid out what the progressive conservative government's doing. And people are, we're just like, that is, that's what's happening right now. And then she's like, no, 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 I don't support that. Because blah, 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 blah. Uh, she got attacked on the left, right, by Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, who is a current liberal MP from Toronto and who is on the left of the party. He is a sort of maverick uh, MP as much as one can be, um, big on proportional representation, uh, wrote a whole apology article when the government uh, flopped on their promise uh, of democratic reform and is running on that side of the party. Uh, he is attacking Bonnie Crombie on the green belt and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's going to come down to one of them. And it, I think, is, you know, the Liberal Party needs to decide, is it a center-right party or a center-left party? You know, it's been a center party before Kathleen Wynne brought it brought it closer to the left to a spectacular backfire um, well it wasn't because she was left or right it was because she was corrupt yes and you know tons of, of brutal that's the thing she's like left wing and then she's selling off hospitals and highways and privatizing Hydro One and you know all these things where even the most left wing liberal is even the most right, right wing level. No, because Kathleen Wynne is supposedly a left wing liberal, right. but still doing all these right wing things, you know? Um, but so, anyway, so they have to, you know, it's going to be a big decision time for uh, the Ontario Liberals. And I would give Bonnie Crombie the edge at the moment. A lot of people really like her for some reason. And I have a friend in the NDP who thinks he's that she's probably the biggest threat to the Ontario NDP, but I don't quite see that because if she's going to the center right, she'd think she'd eat more into the conservative vote 
and it would be easier for us to campaign against them yeah. than if they elected the left candidate who would eat into our vote. Now, the issue is our next goal, in my opinion, as the Ontario NDP, as much as getting into government, needs to be to keep the Ontario Liberal Party below 12 seats, official party status, because making them go uh, 12 years with no money is going to kill them. Like, they, they need that official party status. And that's what I think you might be able to, where Bonnie Crombie maybe has an edge, because she could eat enough into the Ford vote in Mississauga, Brampton, Scarborough, the 905 area, um, 416 area, to get them above 18 seats at least. Maybe. I don't, it's 12 seats, sorry. I don't know that... I mean, maybe it is now. Maybe the, maybe the magic... What you say? Magic sauce? Ma- that's her words. Magic yeah. sauce. It's not a great word choice, but... I agree. The uh, Maybe it is center right now. I think... I think... I think for Canada, it used to be center left. For sure. Well, I don't think it's... I, I'm not sure it still isn't. No, Canada's a more, I would say, center left country than it is a center right country. Judging by well over 50% of the population, if you combine the liberal... Uh, NDP and uh, Green Party vote, and even arguably in many cases the Bloc Québécois vote, you are center to left wing, and well over fifty percent of the population. Yeah, it, it feels like that's where you want to be, and and that's I think I think that's the liberal. I think that's I think everybody's moving right. Yes, like progressive conservatives kind of used to be center center right liberals were left well that has been the goal of right-wing parties and the conservative party especially since their conception is to shift it's called the overton window where most people sit um to the right and that is what stephen harper's biggest legacy was he shifted the overton window in canada way to the right but it hasn't just been him Chrétien moved the Liberals to the right. Uh, so Brian Mulroney shifted the Overton window to the right. I mean, that was... And culturally, I mean, it's beyond Canada, right? Reagan shifted the... And, and Thatcher did a lot to shift the general, quote-unquote, Western world Overton window to the right. We yeah. have been slowly creeping right for a significant period of time. And that's what... I think people like me fight against. Um, even the NDP has been shifting right yeah. to you know try to get votes. They're probably now where the Liberals sat in the 60s, except with less racism <laughs> um, and homophobia. But yeah, I, it's... I mean, here's... my One of the people I worked with in Alberta, I think, put put it really well. People in the center aren't centrists. They just like to vote for what is, quote, reasonable, the reasonable candidate. And it's how you frame your policy of, is it reasonable? That's going to actually convince them. And I thought that was a very interesting take um, because, you know, despite Toronto always voting liberal and NDP, um, federally and provincially they elected John Tory a conservative because he came across as a 
reasonable man. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's messaging at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. I think is the big thing. And who you inspire to get out, right? Doug Ford didn't win the last election. The Liberals and the NDP lost it. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because nobody was inspired to get out. It's who you inspire, how you motivate more than it really is. Now, you're not going to, you know, the NDP isn't going to run a super inspirational and motivating campaign and convince Maxime Bernier to endorse them. You know, there are people out there that you're just never going to get. But I would say the net for the center and the left is larger than it is for the right. Yeah, I think so. But the right's better at motivating their base. No, 100%. Probably less weed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll see what the Ontario Liberals do. I think uh, Bonnie Crombie's leadership, if she wins, would be interesting. Um, as would Nathaniel Erskine's mess. It's going to be the next election is going to be a big deal. Uh, meanwhile, the Merritt Styles needs to do more to get herself out there. But what I'm noticing from what I'm tracking online, which is not the most reliable thing, but the very politically active non-NDPers who I've seen as they more interact with her like her quite a bit. That's good. Um, so we'll see how she continues to do. She has many years still to get her name out there, but you've got to start now. Um, and the Liberals need to make their choice. The other interesting thing is um, neither who, how are Bonnie Crombie or Nathaniel Erskine Smith, neither of them are in the Ontario legislature. Right. And how are they going to get in? Because the Liberals have eight seats. You know? Like they, you don't you don't want to risk one, quite frankly. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, the or you're asking somebody in one of the super safe seats to resign. Now maybe John Fraser, uh, Ottawa Vanier, who has been the interim leader both after Kathleen Wynne and now after Stephen Del Duca. But you know, if you can convince him to step down, but that's a safe job you're asking him to give up. That's one of the safest liberal seats. Yeah, he, well, it depends. If it's a guy's lifetime pension in, then he's probably fine. But if not, then he's not going to leave. And are you going to take a hit by carpetbagging in the candidate, you know, Mississauga or Toronto? You know, none of them are from Ottawa. Although, actually, Yasser, Yasir, Y-A-S-I-R, uh, one of the other people running, is the current Ottawa Centre federal MP. Yeah. Um, so he, moving down to what's called Ottawa Vanier, might except for he's not going to win except for he's not going to win and then the other person running is from Kingston well you just pull a Jagmeet Singh and sit on the sidelines for three four years yeah it's <laughs> yeah we'll see and uh, do we have time for my last thing yeah okay great um, New Brunswick of all places is becoming a bit of a hotbed for interesting politics um the current progressive conservative government led by Blaine Higgs is reworking legislation that has been in place uh, to protect LGBTQ plus uh, individuals in schools. The uh, legislation currently may said that teachers had to refer uh, to students by their preferred name and pronouns and were forbidden from telling the kids' parents without parental consent. 
or sorry, without the kid's consent. Um, they are now changing it so that the under 16, they don't have to be referred to by their preferred name and pronoun. The teacher can call them whatever they want. Um, and that could the, go right, whatever they the, want. <laughs> well, can call them by their, I guess, given name. Um, and then the the teacher, there's nothing explicitly stopping teachers from telling parents if the kid is gay, trans, whatever, that kind of thing. And there's a few uh, others. Do they take a poll, like when they first come into class? How would the teacher know? Well, the teacher might have suspicions, or if the kid just says, or, you know, sometimes a kid feels more comfortable at school and confides in a teacher, um, or, you know, the teacher can hear over telling a kid, or if the kid joins a GSA, uh, you know, there's ways they find out, or can find out at school that, you know, it may be being hidden at home. And frankly, sometimes, you know, the kid has good reason to hide it at home. Um, and there's a litany of other rules. Anyway, it's being rewritten. Uh, to become more socially conservative, basically. And it's not going well. Uh, four cabinet ministers were absent for a critical vote on it in protest. Two uh, shortly after resigned, and the other two were booted out in a cabinet shuffle. Um, and a lot of this has to do both with the law but apparently also with Blaine Higgs the premier's leadership style what he's been criticized of is being a bit of a blunt force instrument um, leaving no room for outside input or expertise um, so people haven't liked working with him and even before this the former education minister in New Brunswick Dominic Cardi uh, not only resigned from cabinet but resigned from the party um, because of the current premier of New Brunswick, Blaine Higgs, how he would ignore, apparently, uh, the minister's recommendations, ignore facts. Uh, and um, uh, the other thing is the premier is apparently long known to be pretty anti-Francophone in New Brunswick. In New next. Brunswick? Yes. Um, and, how did uh, he get elected? <laughs> the ang- Anglophiles. Um, and this minister... Um, was like you're ignoring was another thing on another one of his criticisms was uh ignoring french schools and uh, a lot of defunding and stuff so the minister just resigned the party and resigned uh his his cabinet position and fun fact about this minister dominic cardi he is the former leader of the new brunswick new democrats wow uh <laughs> and uh changed parties um but Anyway, so he now sits as an independent. And all of this has culminated, and now there has been enough paperwork filed that Blaine Higgs is going to face a leadership review. Wow. Um, and that doesn't happen often. No, especially not when you're premier. Yeah. So we'll see if he survives that. Um, there's also been talks of maybe him calling an early election. He has until next October to govern, but, you know... He might, you know, throw a curveball, try to stay in power. But yeah, it's very interesting how it's going. And I would like to say, you know, a lot of what, a lot of the complaints, you know, the ministers, sure, were absent for the vote, but 
the party membership would not be are not submitting the paperwork to have a leadership review because of the LGBTQ rollbacks, like the rollbacks of protection laws. They're doing it because they feel the party is falling apart under his leadership with the caucus revolt and it's a bad luck. So as I'm telling the story, I don't want people to think that the party members are doing this to protect LGBT, the LGBT community. They're not. It's because they look bad and they're not convinced they can win the next election. Hopefully it's because, at least partially, like, listen, if you want to do what you want, ultimately you got elected, but but base it on some sort of, have some sort of science behind you. And to, to be fair, it's probably not hard to get somebody in an official capacity to back whatever view you want. So, it, but but go to someone. Don't just make it like, well, I think so. Who are you? Like, cause who and- are you? Because you... <laughs> Like you're the premier, so you get to choose these things. Like, well, I think a lot of people that make their lives this issue. Like, listen to them. I think a lot of people do feel Daniel Smith is another one. Is like, I'm premier, so I should be able to do what I want, you know, and sculpt. Yeah, that's not no screw data. It works. That's the other another big thing in Alberta right now. Actually, Um, before the election, Daniel Smith, the UCP, touted uh, declining opioid deaths. Um, as their quote strategy working and since the election they have skyrocketed and now we're seeing some of that data was available before the election but wasn't made public that's not surprising no Daniel Smith is the most corrupt Daniel Smith's most corrupt then Doug Ford then probably Blaine Higgs um, but, oh, and uh, the other thing I wanted to mention on this issue, though, uh, of, of New Brunswick is the prime minister said, you know, like, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing this, um, that, uh, you know, it's dangerous for specifically trans kids. Um, the specific, what I would call hate groups, but what they call like you know christian unions or whatever but anti-lgbt groups um have actively said they're watching to see how this plays out to see how basically easy it might be to roll it back in other places like protections they're keeping an eye on this in new brunswick and the conservative leader pierre polyev has said to the prime minister that the prime minister should just butt out and let New Brunswick do what New Brunswick wants, arguing, you know, provincial jurisdiction. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize hate was a provincial jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he said it's, education. But. I, well, I mean, they actually, the direct code is butt out. Um, maybe said something about education after that. But regardless, it, I mean, you can't just stand by. You shouldn't just stand by when a group becomes under attack. Yeah, no. I mean, it... It's, and it goes to show, this is why I give very, very, very little credit to conservatives who su- quote-unquote support certain groups. But, you know, let's use the example we're talking about, the gay community. You know, conservatives who support the gay community, who march in pride parades, who, you know, are very vocal about their support. Because at the end of the day, they stand in the same party 
as the same people who are trying to roll back the rights of these people. Stand in the same party. There's loads of social conservatives in the conservative party. Blaine Higgs is a member of the federal conservative party. They stand in the party that these people feel comfortable voting for. I do not want you, if you are, you know, I would come out, you know, they talk about big tent and allowing various viewpoints. Frankly, if I was leader of a party, I would come out and say, if you are homophobic, I don't want you to feel comfortable voting for me. I don't want you to feel comfortable in this party because I don't want to give you a platform to spread that message. That's not how it should be. So if you are a vocal, a vocal supporter of the you know LGBTQ plus IA um, or IA plus community, and yet will stand on the same stage and provide platform to people who aren't, you might as well not be supportive. Yeah, I think it, I think people get a little touchy when they start talking about children, not literally, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and you know the the premier has said that he feels gender dysphoria uh, has become quote trendy and popular and like spread by the internet, and. Because we see, you know, spikes and graphs of now more people than ever are coming out and identifying in that way. Well, if you look at a graph of people who said they're left-handed, there is a huge spike come the turn of the millennium from the uh, 19th century into the 20th century. And it was coincidentally around the same time where we started, where we stopped beating kids because they wrote with the left hands the sign of the devil. Yeah, a little bit different. How many of those kids uh, thought they might be left-handed because of YouTube access and things like? I mean, it's not necessarily the same thing. It's as we create an environment where there's people definitely feel safer. There's definitely there's definitely that. I agree, hundred percent. I agree, but you. It might, you can't, I don't know, I don't know. Kids do tend to follow the leader a lot of times and, and, and will follow trends. I mean, they do. Fine. Who cares then? They're not getting, as long as, I mean, I'm not saying, okay, well then we should start giving kids irreversible surgery, but we don't offer these surgeries. We don't offer, you know, nobody gets offered anything permanent in terms of gender transition until they're into their late teens with parental permission, you know, and then adulthood if you can't have parental permission, you know? Like that's also it becomes these a- are much later things. But if a five year old is gonna identify, says, you know, I'm a girl and this is what I want to be called, and then they grow out of that, great. Like why is it any different than going through an emo phase and I don't want to be called Mary anymore, called me like, you know, Satan or whatever like I don't know it's if it's a phase fine ride the phase let your kid be your kid yeah no that's just it then the other issue is like you said not every home is going to be uh you know not every home is going to be safe to do that yeah that so there is issues there's but it's I think it's a very it's a complex issue obviously I don't I don't know I don't think they should roll back something that's already there. Like, it seems like it's there for probably for good reason, but... Yes, I agree. And I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a complex issue, but again, as long as we're not going towards anything permanent and irreversible, then just let people be people. Let them do what they want and say what they... Like, let, let the kid just enjoy their childhood in whatever the way they want. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's not. And then, and besides, you know, normally once we start getting to the point where we're talking about surgeries and drugs and hormone suppressants and all that stuff, a lot of places require you to see a therapist first, and then you need to see the doctor. Like, it's a serious, you know, you got to be really sure. And, and frankly, if a kid's been sure since, you know, they're five and it hasn't changed by the time they're 16, 17, <laughs> is probably, they're pretty sure. Yeah, likely. You know? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, like, how this sort of looks 20 years from now. Yes. Because I do, I mean, I, I do agree that the, to me, the internet as much as it's a part of everyday life and feels normal, it's been such a small sliver of history. I mean, we've barely, there's been next to no time to really study how it affects human development. Yeah. And how it will affect a litany of other things, like what we're talking about, you know? How that sort of influence, you know, influencers, content creators, um, internet culture, how deeply that... I mean, the first people to, I would say, really study that on aren't even myself or Madeline or anything. Mia's generation. Yeah. Our... My cousin. Um, Gen Alpha, basically. And it, But there is... I mean, there's already people that are using it. Uh, like, you can see election... Like, elections. People... Like, it's crazy. Yeah. How, and it, it, it definitely... Uh, it's very easy, I think, for especially when when the way it's set up to that you get what you want to see. It's just it yes. becomes it becomes mind washing. We need a lot more internet regulation, in my opinion, a lot because the internet has always been very lightly regulated, and. But it's also very new. You know, I think that idea to a lot of people feels like author- authoritarian. But I think we're... I think there's next to no regulation on the internet. And I don't think... There is next to no regulation on the internet. You know, it's something that governments haven't really adapted to. Same with, you know, and then you start going into data privacy for, and all that kind of stuff. Except for the governments that have, like China, where you don't get half of the internet. Yes, and that's too far, I would argue. But I think there's a, you know, 10%, we're not even doing 10% of what some regimes do. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you need to regulate it, but maybe you need to not regulate what you can get access to, but regulate the people that give you access so that you get more balanced results. Well, like, like, like it didn't used to, it didn't used to know, it didn't used, when Google first started and all these things first started, you sort of got ran, it didn't used to sort of target what you wanted to see. Yes. And I, I wouldn't even say balanced results, I would say factual. Like, you actually have to... Yeah, factual is written by the winners. There are some things that are true. Yeah, math. And science. Kind of. <laughs> uh, uh, math. But I would say... Math is true. You, 
you should as long as you're not talking about statistics other maths (laughs) the other maths are true not (laughs) statistics it should be required to give you the answer with the most supported data first yeah, that makes sense. I, I, that's why I, I really like, and not to be a shill, but I, I subscribe. My one news subscription is to Ground News. And uh, it's like a buck a month. And it gives you the story. And then it tells you, like, who reported it, the left side or the right side. And then it has a bunch of different articles on the same story below that from left-leaning papers and from right-leaning papers. And it tells you. So you can read the same story from both sides, and it's it's quite interesting. That does sound interesting. My my issue, though, when we talk, when people talk about balance all the time, some like sometimes aside, I would argue way more often not the left is just right, like it's just correct objectively, and there's no balance to it. There's no other side. This is just objectively correct, and there's also bias. And there's plenty of times where the left is wrong or give a spin or anything like that. But you can't, I, I, I just strongly object to here's, uh, you know, here's a, an article on climate change backed by 99% of scientists. And here, what we're going to hold up equally beside it is uh, the article against climate change that's backed up by the 1% that have been disgraced. Yeah. Like, and then we're going to present these two things as balanced equals. That is not helpful because it gives legitimacy to stuff that is not legitimate when you when you go for the sake of balance yeah well you again, go for the sake of truth that's again that's like i said it, that falls into the realm of, of math and science that you can't it, it, there's no there's, there's no two sides to math two plus two equals four doesn't sometimes equal five or six yeah okay so so you know like there's no debt like that and that's why to be fair, and climate change got off on, on a, a bad start when they called it global warming. Yes, because people just thought, okay, Earth getting hotter, yeah. which it is, but it, that just makes you think, oh, well, hot. That doesn't days. mean you're always hot. Yes. It means more more drastic changes, more drastic colds, yes. snaps, like everything. So, you know what I mean? Climate change is a much better name, but by that time, most of the people have already formed an opinion on global warming. Yes. And, you know, uh, I just, I don't think that's debatable, but you're, you're right. There should be some sort of, and I think there is, on, but again, it comes down to legitimate sites and where you look and what you get as your first result. Or even on the top 10 page, like, yeah, uh, I don't know what the answer is. But someone's got to figure it out because it is grossly, I mean, maybe... The angle to go is data privacy so that, you know, they can't track what you want to see. Like, they can't curate that. Yeah, it just gives you the best result, whatever whatever side it's on. Yes, the best result based on truth and then balance. Justice in the American way. <laughs> exactly. Um other than that, though, that's uh, that's all I've got. I'm trying to think if there's anything else big going on. I haven't been following American politics as much because it's just exhausting. Trump's on a trial or something. You know, he's got um, 
he's added to the list of American presidents who've been indicted. Um, he currently has, so he was 45, you know, President 45. Um, between the one and 44, so George Washington to Obama, they had zero. And then Trump now has all of them, and Biden doesn't have any. <laughs> so there we go. That's all the, you know, indictments of American presidents. Um, Hunter Biden is actually in some kind of trouble. Yeah, he's he, on his laptop and he's like pictures of him speeding and doing crack. Like going really fast in the Porsche and doing crack at the same I, time. I don't maybe? know if I don't know if he's on his laptop because they've been Republicans have been talking about Hunter Biden's laptop for a long time. Um, so I don't know if like that and but he's in some sort of trouble. Um, but whatever trouble he's in doesn't seem like high treason. Which is the kind of trouble Trump's in. Yeah. Now, fast and which, crack is bad, but that's it's not just, high treason bad. That just, I mean, he's just set up to be uh, the next George W. Bush. Hunter Biden. You know? Yeah. Or Barbara Bush. You know Barbara Bush killed somebody with her car? Oh, yeah. I mean, that happens. <laughs> um, the, uh... Yeah, anyway. Stuff's happening in America still. They're campaigning, but they always are. So, nothing new there. I'm sure things will will happen. Well, it'll retake my attention, but currently I'm just like, yeah, whatever, who cares? America, it's a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. There's, 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 no, there's nobody to root for down there at the moment, which is the big problem. No. And nobody really to root against. I mean... There's so many to root against. There's there's no one person that stands to hide your yeah. Actually, um, Minnesota and Michigan, with on the state level, with the narrowest majorities, like the narrowest trifectas, have been passing some really fantastic legislation in terms of like parental leave, minimum wage, uh, repealing right to work. Uh, Michigan got rid of their state abortion ban that was baked into their constitution in 1933. Um, Like really good stuff on the state level coming out of Michigan and Minnesota. Oh, good for them, eh? (laughs) If I were to move right now, I would say if I were to move to an American state, it would probably be Minnesota. Yeah, the Wilds are a good hockey team. You could probably get tickets. And it's like, is it any different from living in Canada, by and large? Uh, More cheese? No, that's Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, probably not. Probably not too bad. It's right on yeah. the border. It, it's actually, I think it's further north than we are. It probably is, yeah. But not as north as Edmonton or Yellowknife. No. So I would be fine. Yeah. Um, Minnesota or Michigan, that's where I'd go, yeah. It's a serious hockey state, Minnesota. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, thanks for... Tuning in, turning on, yeah. tuning out, whatever. Uncle Murray will be happy. He was complaining like the past two times we've seen him about... We didn't see him the most recent time, but the fact that we didn't have another episode. Well, it's, it's, it'll be in the book shortly. And we will talk at you again next time.